with the same authority as he possessed. We are armed with the same authority that Peter possessed that day. Do you believe that you could speak a message and 3,000 people come to be saved? Yes. I believe that each of us in here could actually do that. Led by the Spirit, prompted by the Spirit, done in the Spirit, we could do that. Each and every person could preach a message, preach a sermon that could lead many to believe in Jesus. Jesus told the disciples to go and make more disciples in Matthew 28. 19 through 20, and, and, and all the authority has been given to them to do so. And as an added importance, Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always. Jesus says, I am going to help you do this. I am going to grab your hand and walk with you through this. You got this because I've got you, is what Jesus is telling us right there. That what Jesus says. That, and that's good news for us. It's good news for you and me because a lot of times we got and you know inhibitions and fears that hold us back from sharing that gospel message. But it's not about us. It's about who Jesus is. In Isaiah 41, 9 through 10, this verse should bring you some great comfort. It says there at the end of verse 9, it says, You are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will hold you up by my righteous right hand. God has got you. Jesus has got you. So the question would be this right here. Are you a disciple or are you not? You need to ask yourself tonight that question. Am I a disciple of Jesus Christ or am I not? Are you a child of God or are you not? Because if you are, you're to be sharing that gospel message. Paul knew and he understood the obligation he has in the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew this. Romans 1, 14 through 15 tells us this right here. I am under obligation both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel. To you also who are in Rome. He was eager to preach the gospel because he was obligated to share that gospel message. The Greeks and the barbarians, that you know, today those are the educated and uneducated. And we got to be sharing it to everyone from the highest to the lowest. No matter what their skill set are, no matter how much education they have, no matter how much they know, we need to be sharing the gospel message with those people. Obligation is defined as this right here, to place under moral or legal duty, to hold by a constraining motive, as to obligate one to donate. In Greek, it's, it's ophilo, and it's a primitive verb, and it means to owe, be indebted to. Obligated to rectify a debt, or ought, O-U-G-H-T. Paul knew that he was obligated to share the gospel message. He ought to share it. He was obligated to share because there was nothing that he could have done to to earn what Jesus had done for him. He felt indebted to Christ Jesus for what he had done. Now, I don't know how you feel about it, 
But I do know how I feel about it, and I know that I feel indebted to Jesus for what he has done for me. I know he has died for me. In my place, for my sins, I know I am indebted to him because of what he has done for me. I know that. That's my choice. That's my decision I have made is to follow him and to share that gospel message because of what he has done for me. I am obligated to him. What about Jesus? He obligated himself as well, did he not? He obligated himself to God for us. In Philippians 2, 7, it says this right here, Jesus made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. He obligated himself to become something he didn't even have to, but he did it for you anyway. In Hebrews 2.17, it says, Therefore in all things he has, made, he has been made like his brethren, that's us, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God. The things pertaining to God, that's the obligation right there. He's obligated to God to make proportionate for the sins of the people. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, and you know this well, for he, he made him know who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God himself. Jesus took on the obligation, the things pertaining to God, he came as a man to be the payment for sin, the debt owed to God for the indebtedness of man, for my indebtedness, for my sins. Jesus paid that price because he was obligated to his father. And while he was on the cross, he was thinking about me. Well, I tell you what, that should rattle your heart tonight for Christ. Christ was on the cross and he was thinking about you at the same time that he was suffering and dying for your sins. Because if he can forgive the past, present, and the future sins, surely he can remember and know all of those that he's going to be dying for. You know, I had a chance to visit with a man called Mr. Sanders and he lived right across the road from Jeffrey. Stone King, that's the pastor we stayed with at Golden Avenue Baptist Church and when we was up doing uh, the uh, revival for them. And Mr. Sanders, I tell you, I, I walked over and visited with him. I was outside talking on the phone with Rob, and I seen this man, he'd mow four or five strips, and he'd stop and sit down and rest for a little bit. And then he'd mow four or five more. So if you've ever talked to Rob on the phone, it usually takes a while, so I watched him do this several times. The time I got done, I thought, well, I'm going to go over and visit with this man. And I walked over to him, and... I said, you know, the Lord just spoke to me and said I needed to come over and visit with you. And I didn't know why at the time, but when I got over there, he said, well, I can tell you right now, I don't believe any of that fairy tale. He said, that's just a bunch of stories in a book. It's just a bunch of stories in a book. And we visited, and, and we went back and forth on some things. The man actually knew some scripture, which surprised me, but he still believed it as a fairy tale. And I said, well, you know you're... Great-grandpa, did you ever meet him? And he said, no, I never met my great-grandpa. I said, you heard any stories about him? He said, he sure did. Come across the United States in a covered wagon. I said, how do you know? He said, I, somebody told me that. I said, yeah. I said, it's the same way with Jesus. I said, we've been told the story of Jesus. We've not seen 
Jesus, but we believe the stories of him to be true because it's been written in the annals of history. Mr. Sanders was not convinced by anything I could tell him. We parted ways by me saying, you know, if you die today, you're going to go to hell. I said, if I die today, I know I'm going to go to heaven, a place called heaven. I said, uh, wouldn't you rather die not knowing any of it was true at all, but lived like it was, than to die and come to find out that it was all true and lived like you didn't believe it at all? And then I asked him, I said, can I pray for you before I go? And he said, you sure can. And that surprised me. But he said during our conversation that he would never believe the stories in that Bible. He'd never believe in Jesus unless a miracle was manifested right in front of his eyes. So that's what I prayed for him. I said, God, I pray that Mr. Sanders would receive a miracle manifested right in front of his eyes that would make him believe in Jesus Christ. So, you know, you take what you can get when you go share the gospel message. Sometimes it's rejection. Sometimes you don't get a chance to to lead somebody to the Lord. And and oftentimes it's it's not that it's not the case. You don't get that opportunity. They either say they believe or they're not interested or or whatever. And then every once in a while you get that great blessing that comes along and the satisfaction of just sharing that gospel message. And it's an incredible thing. And I told you all about Susie and how she come over to us and and come to the Lord there at the revival that night. But we have an opportunity and we have an obligation to share the gospel message. And it doesn't matter where we go. And I want you to I want to I want you to hear this tonight about I love to tell the story. Our obligation is to tell the story. And I love to tell the story. And we sang that verse, that second verse tonight. And it should actually be our obligation anthem, I believe. I love to tell the story. Tis pleasant to repeat what seems each time I tell it more wonderful and sweet. I love to tell the story for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word. You have a story to tell, so tell it. If you don't have a story to tell, I'm going to give you a story to tell tonight. Maybe you can use it. Maybe you've already got your own story. Maybe this story's not for you, but your story is you have been redeemed. You have been forgiven. You have been justified. You have been reconciled, and you are being sanctified. And one day you will be glorified. This is my story, and this is your story. So here we go. Point number one. If you're going to be taking notes, you have been redeemed. You have been redeemed. And there's going to be a little bit here at the bottom of this. And, and if you want me to, to give you these notes, I'll give you these notes. I, don't, I, I spend all day typing them up. I can print them off too. So you have been redeemed. Remember back when we talked about time management and, and our word redeemed meant to be bought back. That's what redeemed means. It means to be, to be bought back. First Peter 1, 18 through 20 in the New Living Translation says this. For you know that God has paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. What our fathers had led us to do, 
at empty life, he has purchased us with a price. He has paid a ransom for us. And it is not paid with mere gold or silver, which loses its value. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as a ransom long before the world began. That's how we know there was always one plan, one plan only. There's never been a plan B. It's always been plan A. And that's because God chose him to be our ransom long before the world began. But now, in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. This is your story when it comes to redemption. I have been redeemed. I have been bought back by Jesus who died on the cross for me. He bled and died for me. We sing, I feel good every Sunday morning. It reminds us that we have been redeemed. And that's the one thing, that's the first point in telling your story. I have been redeemed, and his name is Jesus Christ. He died upon a cross for my sins. Thank God I am redeemed. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood, right? Amen. We sing that song as well. Thank God I'm redeemed. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. You have been redeemed. Number two is you have been forgiven. You have been forgiven. As a man, he was nailed to a cross. As a man, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But as God and the high priest being the intercession for man. Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm. Jesus forgave the world of its sins. It is through Christ that sins are forgiven. He is God and he is the highest of the highest high priests. And he can go directly to God. And he can take away our sins. He can take away the sins of the world. Only he, only Jesus, only Christ Jesus can do that. Your story is this. Jesus, by way of God, the Father, has forgiven me of all of my sins. Past, present, and future. Past, present, and future. He bore them all on Calvary to save a wretch like me. Because he was the one and only one that could. He was the one and only one. Our verse up there tells us that he was the one and only one. God chose him to be the ransom before the world began. The only one. You have been redeemed. You have been forgiven. And number three is you have been justified. You have been justified. Justification is is an act of God whereby he pronounces a sinner to be righteous because of that sinner's faith in Christ. Get that right there. He pronounces a sinner to be righteous because of that sinner's faith in Christ. According to one theologian, the root idea of justification is the declaration of God, the righteous judge, that the man who believes in Christ Sinful though he may be, he is righteous. He is considered righteous. Is viewed as being righteous because in Christ he has come into a righteous relationship with God. 
says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. No one can stand before God as righteous on his or own, her merits. You can't do it on your merits, folks. You can't work your way into heaven. There's nothing you can do that's going, you, even you saying you believe in Jesus is not going to be enough. You surrendering your life to Jesus, making him your Lord and your Savior is what is accounted to your faith. Romans 4, 4 through 8 says this right here. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. That's what's owed him, his wages for his work. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Believing in Jesus Christ, that he is your Lord and he is your Savior, accounted to his faith as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteousness apart from his works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. Amen for that right there. I have plenty of those lawless deeds I'm thankful that God has forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sins. Believe in Jesus Christ and ye shall be saved is what the Bible says. Believe your faith in him and him alone is what will allow you to stand in front of a righteous, holy God and not be condemned. You have been justified. You can't earn justification. It is given by God through Jesus Christ, and justification ultimately glorifies God. The goal of justification is to enable guilty sinners to stand before a righteous God as righteousness. Your story is this. I have been justified because of what Jesus has done on the cross, not because of what I have done. And when I stand in judgment before God, because I believe in Jesus, it will be counted as righteousness. You are redeemed, you are forgiven, and you are justified. And that next point is you have been reconciled. Romans 5, 10 through 11 says this right here. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, more than that, it gets more exciting. We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. A relationship restored is what reconciliation means. Your relationship with God has been restored. We have a God who created us, he foreknew us, and he loved us. And your story is this. When God created man, it was for a relationship, and he wanted to be with us. And man messed all of that up when he sinned in the garden. And because of that sin, it was accounted to all men, you and me. He knew each and every person, and he wants a relationship with them. But because of sin, it has separated us from God. So God sent Jesus to die for our sins because Jesus was sinless. So we could be reconciled to him. That is God the Father. Our relationship has been restored because of Jesus. 
Well, if you read your Bible and you do not realize that it is all about Jesus Christ, you're reading the wrong Bible. It is all, every single word of it is about Jesus Christ. You have been redeemed. You have been forgiven. You have been justified. And you have been reconciled. reconciled. And you are being sanctified. Sanctification is the act of setting something or someone apart as holy, purifying it, dedicating it to God's service. You know, a lot of people say they don't like to go to church because of this or that. I don't know where they're getting their discipleship or they're getting their whatever, how they're getting it, how they're becoming more and more like Christ each day. I don't know where they're getting it. But Hebrews 12, 14 says this right here. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Sanctification is the process by which you become more holy, which you become more like Christ. If you're not doing it at church, I don't know how you're getting it. I don't know where you're getting it. Me and Jack had a conversation just a while ago. He said, man, is there a place I could work in ministry? Because working out there in the world is hard. And it is hard. It's hard to be out there in that world. It's hard to be out there alone in that world, not be able to come in here on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning and be refreshed by the Word of God. If we're not doing that, how are we becoming more like Christ? How are we becoming more holy so that we can stand in front of a holy God? Who says that no one will see the Lord unless you are holy? It takes sanctification to get there, folks. We are in need of God's sanctification by His grace to be made holy as God is holy. God purifies us from sin through the blood of Christ. He empowers us with His Holy Spirit to grow in holiness. And He sets us apart from the world for Christian service. You were saved to serve. Repeat that. You were saved to serve. That's what you were saved for. God didn't save you just so you could have a place in heaven one day. God saved you so you could go out and serve Him. He saved you so you could go out and build His kingdom. If you think you're saved for any other reason, you're, you're kidding yourself, and you may not even be saved. You are saved to build that kingdom. You are saved to be set apart. You are saved to be holy. You are set apart and saved to serve. Your story is this right here. I am being sanctified. I realize I am a work in progress. And it has taken many years to get where I'm at. Amen. And the road looks to be long in front of me to get to where I need to be. But I don't ever give up. I don't do everything right, but by God's grace, He is working on me. He is growing me and making me into the Christian He wants me to be. He is holy, so I want to be holy. You know, maybe that's the question you ask somebody that says, well, I don't want to go to church down there with all them hypocrites. How's your holiness working out then? How's your holiness working out? How is your sanctification working out? And they're probably going to ask you, well, what's that? I'm going to tie it all together here in just a second. 
So you've been redeemed, you've been forgiven, you've been justified, you've been reconciled, and you are being sanctified. Until that day, you will be glorified. Boy, I'm ready for that day. It'd be too easy to skip out on this world and just go straight to heaven, though, wouldn't it? Because we got work to do. We got family members that are lost. We got cousins and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and moms and dads and friends who are lost and dying, and they're going to hell, folks. And the only thing that's going to prevent them from going to hell is you telling them the message of the gospel, the message that they are they can be redeemed, they can be forgiven, they can be justified, they can be reconciled. And they can be sanctified. And one of these days, if they do all that stuff, they're going to be glorified. Glorification is the final step of God's work of salvation. Glorification is the final stage in God's work of salvation. It is the crowning achievement of sanctification. You hear that? Glorification is the crowning achievement of sanctification. Amen. I'm ready to go to heaven. I'm ready to see what glorification is going to look like. I'm ready to shed this body because the older it gets, the worse it works. And I'm ready to get rid of it, I tell you. I'm ready for that body that Christ has promised us. So that crowning achievement of sanctification in which Christians are fully conformed to the image of Christ. We are fully conformed in the glorification process. We are fully conformed to the image of Christ. It is the perfection of the body. It is the perfection of the body. It rejoins the soul and the spirit to the body. And it put, put in another way, glorification is the means by which God fully reserves, reverses the effects of the fall. The means by which God fully reverses the effects of the fall. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, they were there in a relationship with God, perfect in their form, perfect in their bodies, and probably in a perfect place, if I know God, because he created the Garden of Eden to dwell with men. And it was heaven on earth. I'm pretty sure it was heaven on earth. But when sin entered in, that's when the fall happened. The reverse It's the reverse. Glorification. We're referring to future resurrection at a time we receive incorruptible bodies similar to the body of Christ. We're not sure what that body's going to look like, but it's it's going to be a good one. It's going to be the best body you'll ever have because it's going to last an eternity. At which time we receive that incorruptible body similar to the body of Christ when he rose from the dead. Glorification is the final step in the application of redemption. Redeemed. It's the final step in the application of redemption. In the process of being redeemed, it will, help. It will happen when Christ returns and raises from the dead the bodies of all the believers for all times who have died will be reunited with their souls and change the bodies of all believers who remain alive, thereby giving all believers the same perfect resurrected bodies like Jesus Christ. This is your story when it comes to glorification. All because of Jesus. He died for my sins, but he arose from the grave. He was resurrected from the dead 
One day I will be resurrected from the dead as well. I will be given a new body just like Christ that will never grow old and it will never be corrupted by sin or by sickness ever again. I will be living with my Savior, Jesus Christ, in the new heaven and on a new earth that he's created, all under the glory of God. There won't be no sun, folks. Just God's glory shining all around us, and it does not cast a shadow. You think about that for a second. I will be glorified in Christ one day. You have been redeemed. You have been forgiven. You have been justified. You have been reconciled. You are being sanctified. And one day soon, and very soon, you will be glorified. Who has a message like that? What other religion has a message like that? It's the greatest message I've ever heard. It's the greatest story ever told. It's the gospel story. And it's to be lived, it's to be loved, and it's to be shared. Who has a story like that to tell? You do. You do. You do. You have the greatest story to tell. Why? Should you or me ever be ashamed to share a story like that? Why? Why would we ever be ashamed? Why? We have nothing to lose. We have everything to gain. Let's keep revival going, right? Let's keep revival going. You want to keep revival going? You start sharing the gospel. You want to see revival? You want to see revival in your life? People say, we don't see that Holy Ghost revival no more because you're not sharing the gospel message with people and seeing people come to know who Jesus is. That's revival when somebody's restored to Christ. That's revival. We have nothing to lose, but we have everything to gain. And we keep that revival going. We have a story to tell. So love to tell the story. Love to tell the story. Say that with me. Love to tell the story I love to tell the story more wonderful it seems than all the golden fancies of all our golden dreams I love to tell the story it did so much for me and that is just the reason I tell it now to thee I love to tell the story it will be my theme and glory to tell The old, old story. You know what we're going to be singing about when we go to heaven? We're going to sing about Jesus dying on the cross, being resurrected, and him coming into his glory. That's what we're going to be singing about in heaven. We're going to be singing the story of Jesus Christ in heaven. That's why the song is written that way. Romans 10, 14 through 15 says, How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach how how shall then shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings and bring good news there is there is no hearing of Christ and salvation by him without the sharing of the gospel There is no hearing of Christ 
and salvation by him without sharing the gospel. The usual and ordinary ways of hearing from God and Christ is by the ministry. It's by the preachers that preach the word of God. This shows not only this shows not only the necessity for the useful gospel ministry, but it also points out the subject matter of which is Christ Jesus and him crucified. They that preach ought to preach concerning the person of Christ, his office, his grace, his righteousness, his blood, his sacrifice, his sanctification. If they're not hearing that, otherwise men may hear the preacher and not ever hear about Christ. We share about Jesus. The Bible is all about Jesus, and that's what it needs to be preached. That's what needs to be shared, the gospel message. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher to share the gospel. You just have to be an obedient Christian who is willing to tell the story. Every head bowed and every eye closed tonight. If you don't have a story to tell, it may be because that you've not even ever accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and that opportunity for you tonight to come forward and give your life to Christ. You've heard the story of redemption, how he died upon the cross. He poured out his blood for you. He paid a ransom for you. And you told how you've been forgiven by Jesus and his own words from the cross. You've been justified by him. And you've been reconciled into a relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. In the process of sanctification, you can become a better, holier Christian. All so that one day you can go to heaven in that glorification process. If that's you tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just urge you to give your life to him so you can start on your journey of your story, telling your story. If you're a Christian here tonight and you're one that doesn't share the gospel you know, and as a, as a sad statistic, 95% of most Christians, 95% of Christians don't share, have never shared the gospel message. It's not a, in a room this size, there's probably many that have not shared the gospel message. Tonight, tonight's the night that you need to start realizing that you must share the gospel story. If you want others to be in heaven with you, especially your family members, you have to share that gospel message. But if you're a Christian here and you're sharing the gospel message, and I know that there are some in here that are doing that, keep running the race because it never gets old. It never gets tiring. That race will be finished one of these days in heaven. And when we cross that finish line up there, all of those crowns that we'll be given will be worth every ounce of suffering we've done here on this earth. The altars are open tonight. For salvation, if you want to come and give your life to Christ, come and do that. If you need to come and just pray, just in the moments we have before we go into our prayer service, you can do that now.